um, I want to I say a prayer. If we could all just pray. We're just going to honor the moms this morning. And let's, let's, uh, let's acknowledge uh, every unique relationship with moms right now. Because I know that Mother's Day, if we can just be real, Mother's Day is hard for some people. There's people out there that have broken relationships with moms, people that didn't know their moms, people that want to be moms and they don't know why they haven't been able to have kids yet. There's all kinds of, of different scenarios and situations. And I want to be sensitive to that. I don't want to just come across and say, yay, mothers, and there's people hurting. So in every different walk and stage in life, um, I know this, that in, in regards to, to being a mom and having a mom, is that God is still the God of every single situation. And so whatever deal is going on, we want to pray this morning that God would meet you where you're at. But we also do want to honor the role of, of mothers. And um, every one of us has one. We all got into this world because of one. And we just want to honor those of you that, uh, that are living out that job right now. And those of us that are working on relationships with moms. And, and just the full spectrum, we're just appreciative for our moms. So let's bow our heads and let's pray. God, we just thank you. We honor moms on this Mother's Day. And this is the day, Lord, where we remember uh, those that gave us life, literally, and brought us into this world and, and directed us as well as they could, as they can, as they continue to do. And those that are they're currently moms, and they're, they're, they're taking up the task of being woken up in the middle of the night and all the needs and all that goes on. Lord, we just thank you, because that is a unique and it's an awesome job and a big responsibility. So God, we're thankful no matter what the situation. We're thankful for mothers today, and we honor them today. Lord, all those, those that are gathered here and all of us that are away from ours, wherever they may be and whatever situation's going on, God, thank you for moms. Thank you for the role that they play. And I pray a blessing upon all of them today and even in our church, all the different plans that are gonna happen, the brunches, the lunches, the, the days out and about, whatever the plan is for today, Lord, that moms would feel honored and blessed. And um, we thank you for that unique calling that you've given to every mother. Bless them today on Mother's Day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You guys good this morning? Yes. You guys ready? It's still not too late to get a card, you know, in case it kind of snuck up on you. Uh, got to make a phone call, do whatever you got to do. Um, it's going to be a good Mother's Day this morning. Well, I want to jump right into our sermon. We had a bunch of stuff going on in this service, so I want to get right into it. We're in this, if you've been joining us recently, you know, we're in this Needs to Succeed series. And basically, we're talking about all of the human needs that we have in life in order for us to thrive and to, to live life to our greatest potential and to, to feel fulfillment in what we do. And today we're going over this need um, that is actually the need for, it's a big scientific word, self-actualization. And what self-actualization actually means is you need to come to terms with being the very best that you can be. Every one of us as, as, as people, human beings, has a need to know that we are living our life to the fullest means possible with every tool in life that's been given to us. Now, you could say like, oh, well, I'm just not a successful person. I'm not that smart. I'm not that gifted. I'm not that whatever. And this isn't a competition. It's not comparing you to other people. This is you having the need to become the very best version of you that you possibly can be given your situation in life, the, the knowledge that you have, all of that. And so there's this need that we're talking about today is that you need you. You need you to be the best you that you can be so that you can thrive in life and reach the per personal potential that God created you to be. I want to read you guys a verse that starts it off like this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 in the Bible says, the living version says, no one can really know what anyone else is thinking or what he is really like except that person himself. So what we're talking about today is the need that we all have to know who we are so that we can live the best life possible. Because listen, if you don't really know who you're created to be and what you're good at, you're going through life wondering and you make a lot of mistakes. When you understand who, your personality, what kind of things like inspire you, what are the God-given abilities and gifts he's given you, it changes everything. It changes the, the friends that you want to make. When you know your personality type, you know which kinds of people are actually going to be good for you and which are going to be a negative influence on your life. It changes the way you spend your money. 
If you know your own habits and the things that you're prone to spending money on and, and how you manage funds, there's some things that you're just like, I cannot watch the home shopping channel because I will buy everything online. Because maybe your personality is spontaneous and everything looks, looks shiny and glitterly and awesome and you just want to buy it all. So you, when you figure out what your personality is and who God created you to be, it saves you a lot of hassle. Some of us, I believe this, some of us have gotten ourselves into career paths and jobs that really don't bring any life or fulfillment to us. We just thought it was good and it was a way to make money. But when you begin to discover who you really are, you start choosing and picking the right kind of jobs that's gonna bless your life the best. Does that make sense to you guys? When you know who you are, it changes everything. And the word says, no one can really know about anyone else except that person themselves. So in putting together this message, I'm like, man, this is good. We're gonna find out who we are today. We're gonna get a little bit down the road on finding out who we are. So I went and did a little bit of research because I'm like, I'm preaching on this. I need to know about myself. And there's some surveys and some things that you can do out there, some, some scientific research, right, that's like this begins to sh show you who you are and what you're capable of and all that God has made you. So I took some of these first because I want to be the guinea pig before I preach it to you, right? So I, I was finding like the most substantial, meaningful, like really good scientific research I can find. So I took the Witch Hogwarts House Are You, Harry Potter, and it turns out that I'm Slytherin, so I'm finding out about myself here, right? Scientific method here. I found out that I'm from the house of Slytherin if I was at Hogwarts. Uh, Harry Potter, you guys know what I'm talking about in here? Like, don't get all nuts. Like, oh, that's demonic. That's of the enemy. Sorry, I'm just like scientific research. So I'm a house of Slytherin, tend to have a clear vision of the future, meticulous, directed when working towards goals. That's awesome. And then I, I felt like, you know, I better do a little bit more research. So I was wondering as I was like coming across my studies and I'm like, I wonder which character from Friends I would be. Because that's really helpful in life, right? It turns out that I'm a Ross. I don't know. I don't know if I'm happy. I'm intelligent, love to learn, fatal flaws. I'm a romantic and I get hurt a lot. Really? I don't know about that. So I had to dig a little bit deeper, right? So I, I probed a little bit farther back. Seinfeld characters. What Seinfeld character would I be? And this is what I got. Jackie, how many of you guys even remember who Jackie Childs was? Like some of you diehard fans, he was like the lawyer based on the, the, the real life Johnny Cochran. He was like the lawyer. And I mean, we look alike, so there's that. Um, and then I dug a little bit farther to see which Star Wars character I am, because that tells me a lot about myself. And it turns out that I am, again, a dead ringer for Finn. So then I went for the most important one. And some of you guys may have taken the survey yourselves. Which modern day Disney princess are you, right? So... I am Moana. So you're welcome. Anyways, uh, but here's the reality is like in all of this silliness and in pop culture and media and all of this stuff, the reality is some of us, the most length that we've ever gone to to find out about ourselves is these kind of things. That's really the deepest we go in figuring ourselves out. And which means we don't really have that big of a grasp on who God has really created us to be. As we just, we kind of think we know. Here's a problem with that is when you act on just feelings or what you think you know about yourself, there's a whole nother part of you. There's whole facets of your life that you're just basing on shallow things like feelings and on what you think. Or this one's a worse one, what other people have labeled you and they've told you about yourself and then you stick with that. Here's the problem with us, is if we really knew who we were, life would get a little bit easier and a little more focused and directed, and God could use us a little bit more uh, beneficially, and we'd be thriving in life that much more. But a lot of us, here's what we don't want to admit. We don't want to admit our weak areas. We don't want to admit that we have blind spots. And so we go around with this view of ourselves, it's like, I'm awesome, I'm this, I'm that. And what you're doing is you're just hiding a lot of the stuff that's really a part of who you are, sweeping it under the rug. So here's a problem is, we either ignore and don't admit our weaknesses, or here's the other end of it, some of us only believe our weaknesses. We don't see all the good things about ourselves. We're stuck with looking in the mirror and we just see all the flaws and everything that's wrong and we think we could never rise above to a life that's fulfilling because we just got so many problems and mistakes. And oftentimes it's because people have put it on us. Let's be honest, this is Mother's Day. Sometimes we've had rough childhoods where our parents have labeled us and stereotyped us and heaven forbid that we're, we ever become those kind of parents ourselves, but, but sometimes we've had people, maybe it's been teachers, maybe it's been friends when you were young or, or, or whatever it might be, that people have said, you're stupid, you're never going to amount to anything. 
Oh, you could never do what your sister does or your brother does. Or you, how come you don't act like the kids in that other family at church? They seem so good. And why are you like that? There was a time in my life when I was youth pastoring in California, my wife and I in Huntington Beach. And um, we had all these kids in our youth group. And we, we build ministry and youth groups and churches really primarily on relationships. We know that it's all about people and that we got to love other people. And that's what's going to grow. It's not necessarily the program. It's loving the people. So because our hearts were like that, uh, we had this youth group full of kids, junior hires and high schoolers. And we had this little small little one, two bedroom apartment in Huntington Beach but our doors were always open to our kids all the time. We knew that there's kids that were hurting out there that mom and dad weren't doing a good job. And so we were, we were just wanting to mom and dad these kids and just help them and love them and give them Jesus. And so because of that, we were just, you know, living off of mac and cheese and Simon and all of that, but we were sharing whatever we had with the kids. Our door was always open. Literally, kids would call us in the middle of the night. Hey, Carl, can I, can I crash over tonight? My dad's about to come out of the bars in about an hour, and I don't like what happens to me when he comes home drunk from the bars. Can I sleep at your house tonight? Absolutely. We let kids sleep over. We just, the, the whole Huntington Beach High School surf team was in our youth group, so they stored all their boards in my garage, and there's kids in and out all the time. But along, around that time, we were even having babies of our own, and we just opened it all up. But around that time, someone came to us and said, hey, don't, you shouldn't do that. You need to protect yourself. You have kids of your own and you might get taken advantage of and kids might rip you off and there's just a lot of that, like a lot of stuff. You don't, don't feel obligated to, to go overboard and to let all these kids into your life and all this stuff. Protect yourself, protect your lives, protect your family. And so for a minute, we thought about that and we thought, oh, maybe we should pull back a little bit. Maybe we're just like a little bit too open. Maybe we're all of this. And then we, we prayed on it. We thought about it and we said, but this is who God created us to be. This is our heart. And it is risky. And you get burned once in a while. But we know who we are. We know who God's created us to be. And we're not going to accept the label that you put on us about who God has called us to be. Does that make sense? So here's my message for you this morning is get to know who you were called to be, who God created you to be, and work on the weaknesses and improve them, but lean into the strengths of who God's created you to be. But the sooner you really find out every facet of your life, the more your life is going to thrive and you know what you're put on planet earth to do. Amen? So we're going to talk about that today and what the word has to say about that more than Seinfeld and Hogwarts and all of that. The Bible speaks this stuff to us. And starting with what Jesus says to us in Matthew 10, 39, the message version, I just love the way that it words it. It says, if your first concern is to look after yourself, then you'll never find yourself. But if you forget about yourself and you look to me, Jesus, you'll find both yourself and me. That's a good word this morning. That God is saying, we can go so long and we can take all these surveys and tests and try to figure out who we are. But Jesus is going, but if you actually look to me, because I'm the one that Jesus, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, co-creator of the universe and of mankind and humanity and all that. When we look to Jesus, we look to God, the one who created us to help us figure out who we are. Then guess what happens? We find ourselves, but not only ourselves, we find out who God is in the process. So that's like a two for one. It's a win-win situation. So today we're going to be talking about all the different tools that God has given us that make up who we are. And now there's this, this famous um, kind of ideology and this thought that someone came up with a few years ago. And uh, it's this guy named Eric Reese. And he's a, he's a godly man, a Christian. And, uh, and he's like kind of a, a partner with Rick Warren of Saddleback Church. And he wrote this book called Shape. And we're going to talk about that today. S-H-A-P-E. It's an acronym. And it basically talks about how God has made every human being, and especially as Christians, uh, all the different tools that he's given us in figuring out who we are so that if we're, we're kind of touching base on all these different areas of our life, then we're going to live a life that's fulfilled. And so we're going to walk through that right now this morning. And it, it's tied in directly with scripture on who we are in life and what are the tools that God has given us to give us the best life possible. So it's, again, these letters, shape, S-H-A-P-E, five things. And we're going to talk about those. And you figure these things out, man, your life is going to start coming together. It's going to start thriving. You're going to start feeling fullness of potential in who you are. So here's the first one, spiritual gifts. If you're taking notes, write this stuff down. This is good. This is going to help you. Just today's sermon alone, you're going to go home and you're going to begin to realize, man, why did I ever take that job in the first place? I might need to be looking at a new career that God's calling me to because I'm way more gifted at this than what I'm doing now. It may cause you to, 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 to kind of scratch your head and go, 
why am I hanging out with these kinds of people? They're actually just drawing me away from what the plan is in my life. And maybe I'm looking to date this kind of person. It looks like as I find out more about me, I need to be dating this kind of person to find a lifelong soulmate. It could change everything. So here's the first thing, spiritual gifts. What are spiritual gifts? Romans 12. Romans 12 is a great chapter. 1 Corinthians 12, if you're taking notes, write that down. Go read that chapter as well. 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 3 is another good one too. It talks about the gifts that God's given us. Romans 12, 6 says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, which means God gives you words that he wants to speak to other people and that, that you should go and you should tell those words. They're not your own words. It's like God-given words to other people. If that's your ability to prophesy, then speak out with as much faith as God's given you. If your gift is serving others, then serve them well. If you're a teacher, then teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, then be encouraging. If it's giving, then give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Here's what spiritual gifts are all about. Spiritual gifts are God's supernatural power in you and through you to do two things. Here's what I believe the two things are. Number one, to prove to you that he's real. When God does some things and gives you some gifts and abilities that are not your own natural abilities that you're born with, but things that you do, gift of prophecy, gift of serving. Before you met Jesus, you weren't someone that was like down to volunteer and help out anybody. Then you meet Jesus and suddenly you're just like, man, my desire is just to volunteer, to help out, to serve. That's a spiritual gift, not a natural gift. But it's God's power manifests in you and through you to number one, go, I can't believe I'm doing this right now. There must be a God. This is crazy. He's real. His power is real. But second to that, the spiritual gifts are given to you so that you can give them away and you can be a blessing. See, what happens when you begin to find out your spiritual gifts in your life, life becomes more fulfilling because you're like, wait, God's power is real. I don't just go to church and hear an inspiring message. He's actually still alive and well in 2017 and he's up to miracles and signs and wonders and he does stuff. Then your faith is like, whoa, that's why I'm a Christian. But not only that, God gives you those gifts so that now you're able to bless the world around you and it might just be one other person or whatever, but you walk around feeling fulfilled like God is real and he's using me. And so when we begin to discover what these gifts are, it does something for us. And look at the gifts. There's gifts that we think of are like the heavy ones like prophecy, the gift of speaking in tongues, the gift of healing. There's some people that, that when they pray for other people, more often than not, people get supernaturally healed. That's a heavy gift of healing in someone's life. Or there's times in my life when I've just said, Holy Spirit, I need some help in a conversation. I need you to show up. I just want to minister well to this person and help them. And God gives me gifts of wisdom, gifts of knowledge, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, where it's like I'll be talking to them and thinking, man, you should do this with your life. And I know the word says this. And then all of a sudden, I'll just drop like a gem, a nugget of wisdom on them, like da 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 and they're like, oh, that's so good. That, thank you for the wisdom. And I'm like kind of surprised it came out of my mouth. I'm like, did I, just, I better write that one down. I can preach on that one. That's super good. And I'm surprised myself and I'm going, where did that come from? Wait a minute. That's spiritual gifts that God has given me, words of wisdom. Wait, how is it that I'm praying for someone right now and they're looking for a breakthrough and I don't know what to say to them, but then God just says, why don't you ask them about the relationship with their brother? And so I just, hey, is there anything going on in your life about your brother? And then you see someone just break in tears. They're like, oh, how did you know? I haven't talked about my brother in years, but there's this deep issue, and oh my gosh, that's so good, thank you. And I'm just like, whoa, what was that? That's a spiritual gift right there. And God's imparting stuff. So what is your spiritual gift? How does God work through you? How does he supernaturally? But it may be as simple as, look at some of these things it lists. Serving, teaching, encouraging, there's some people that are just prayer warriors, and I'm so glad that they're on the prayer team using their spiritual gifts. There's some people that just live and die praying and praying for other people, and they love to do it. But before they were a Christian, they weren't into that kind of stuff. They didn't care as much for people. It's a spiritual thing. Let me tell you this. You know what one of my main spiritual gifts is? Teaching. One of my main spiritual gifts is teaching. And you'd say, oh, a lot of people are good, public speaking and all that. This isn't a natural thing. Like, I'm one of those people that hates getting up in front of other people and speaking publicly. It, I mean, think about it for you. Anybody in here, if I asked you to come up on stage right now and talk for 10 minutes, you would probably have a heart attack. Is there anybody like that? You just, no way, I'll never be a public speaker, right? 
That was me, sixth grade, my first public speech to my class, all my friends, and I had note cards, and I had to do like a four-minute speech on the solar system, and I barely made it through like two planets. Oh, there's Saturn and Uranus, ah! And I flipped out. I literally had an anxiety attack, sick to my stomach. I said, miss, I need to go home. I'm going to throw up. I'm sick. And I went home, and I told my mom, Mom, can I just never go back to school again, ever? Like, I'm so, I don't ever want to have to finish a speech. And growing up, I never want to get in front of anybody. I was a social kid. I had friends and stuff. But you tell me to go do public speaking or something? No way. It's the last thing I ever want to do in my life. But then the problem came in when I really began to say yes to Jesus. And he began to change me. And he began to develop things in me that, again, spiritual gifts are not your natural giftings. It's when God gets a hold of you and he imparts something special. And I found out that like, I can do this thing. I still don't necessarily want to do it. Guess what? Every single week when I have to prepare a message and get up here and preach, I'm still scared every single week. Every single week. And I've been doing this for like 20, 30 years, preaching regularly on the weekly. I'm still scared. I think that's a good thing because it keeps us humble. But it also keeps reminding me that whatever gifts that I have, they're spiritual. They're from God. And every single week, I come up here, it's a miracle to me in my life. Man, God is real. He is alive and well, because Carl Moore hates public speaking, but I can do this. That is a spiritual gift from above. Amen? So what's your spiritual gift? Read those chapters in the Bible. Find out how God can supernaturally work through you. And now here's another little hint. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, is it is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift a person should have. Maybe it's a gift of giving. There's some people in our church. I know Paul right here. He's got the gift of giving. He's got money, but he doesn't just go, I've got money for me. He's like, what, what can I do to bless the kingdom? What can I do to bless Anchor Church? So many times he has given. I'm probably embarrassing him right now because he's not trying to be about the spotlight, but he has a gift of giving. By the way, Paul, how old are you? I'm calling him out right now. 73, he just graduated New Hope Christian College Friday night. Isn't that cool? He got a degree in Christian ministries. Is that right? That's just super cool. But what's your gift? Some people, it's gift of hospitality. Some people had us over last night for dinner, and they said, you know, our house is just to be open. Pastor, if there's anything we can do to use this house for the kingdom, for the church, like that's why we have this house. We've seen thousands of kids over the years come through our house and our, our yard and our pool and all of this kind of stuff because that's a gift of hospitality. And that's a gift because not all of you have it. Some of you guys are like, no, don't come in my house. You're going to break something. Stay outside. I'll bring the thing out to you, right? Anybody like that? You're like, no, I don't want people in my house, right? It's a spiritual gift. But it says the one and only Holy Spirit is the one that decides and he distributes all these gifts. So here's what I think. Don't go around thinking, God, give me superpowers, right? I want to pick which ones. I want healing. Healing is awesome. I would love to have that. Speaking in tongues, no, that's weird. I don't want that gift. God, don't give me that gift. Give me the gift of uh, words of knowledge. That's super cool. You don't get to pick your superpowers, right? What the Holy Spirit is saying is when you pray, just pray more of you, Holy Spirit. That's all I want. And I don't know what you're going to do, but whatever it's going to do is going to blow my mind. It's going to prove to me that you're real, and it's going to allow me to bless the world around me. And my life will be that much more fulfilled when I figure out what my spiritual gifts are. Is that good? That's good. Some of you guys are like, I don't even know if I have any. Everybody has them. The word says everybody has spiritual gifts. And they change from different season to season. But God has more for you. So figure that out and you'll be a bigger blessing and your life will be fulfilled. Christianity won't just be a religion. Right? Everywhere, this is what I think, in the New Testament, everywhere where the gospel was preached in the New Testament, there was always the word was preached and then the works went hand in hand. There was always the message and the miracles. It was always Jesus showed up, he taught about God, and then he goes, let's put God on display in his power. And I believe in our lives it should be the same. That we're not just reading and learning and knowing about Christianity, but we're actually experiencing the power of a mighty living God, doing things that we could never do on our own. That's spiritual gifts. How many of you guys want to get some of those? Come on, that's good. Raise your hand. You better raise your hand right now. God has so much for you. Here's the second one is your heart. This is important to figure out yourself is, is what is your passion in life? Where's your, what, what, what do you find valuable? What excites you and inspires you? Figure out what you have a heart for. Matthew 6, 21. Jesus said, it's important. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Whatever you think is valuable, that's, that's what has a hold of your heart. And now Jesus goes further. Later on in, in the book of Philippians, the apostle Paul in Philippians 2, 13 says, 
For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Now, I put these two together. That naturally we have things in our heart, desires, that we like to do, that we're, we believe in, that we can get behind, we're fired up about. Then God says, what he's going to do is he's going to change the desires of your heart that you may already like to do something. And now he's saying you can live for him and it's going to become that much more meaningful. So basically what the heart is, is you taking the stuff that you already like to do and now using it for God and the fulfillment and the purpose in life gets magnified just a million fold in life. God doesn't want you to become a Christian and say, well, I guess I can't like, like sports anymore. Now I have to be all holy. No, God's going, I've created in you a love for sports or for marketing or sales or for cooking or for whatever it is. You love to do that so much, but now here's going to be the bonus. Now you start using that for God's purposes and watch the fulfillment that's going to come out of your life. Isn't it cool that God doesn't take stuff away from us when we get saved? He goes, I made you that way on purpose. You have a heart for that. Now use it for my glory and watch how cool it's going to be. Watch what I'm going to do with this stuff. Is what gives you fulfillment, the things that you love and you already like to do. See, in my life, there's been surfing. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. When I was about 13 years old, I went to a youth camp, Pastor Tom and I together. And the Holy Spirit just touched us. And we just knew we're going to serve you all of our days. We don't know what that looks like. God, full-time, we're going to go into ministry. We don't know how that's going to even happen. But God, we get it. You're real. And we're going to follow you and give our lives to you. There's a couple things I prayed selfishly, if I can share them with you. As a teenager, one of the things was, I'll do anything you want, God. Move me to Africa. I'll serve you as a missionary. Whatever. I'll, I'll do whatever you want. I just don't want to be, one, a senior pastor of a church. I would never do that. I would never want to do that, God. Please don't ever make me a senior pastor of a church. I'll do anything else. And God's just like up there chuckling, right? <laughs> okay, kid, sure, right? And then here I am today. But here's the other thing that I, I asked God selfishly. I said, God, I really love surfing. If there's any way that I could still be surfing and serve you all the days of my life, could you make that possible? That'd be super cool. Could you make that happen? Now, here's the beauty of God. He's a heavenly father that puts these passions and these gifts and these loves in our life for a reason. God said this, okay, just use surfing for me and watch what's going to happen. I can tell you this, one of the greatest tools that I've ever had in ministry, especially as a youth pastor, in connecting kids and attracting them has been the sport of surfing. When I was in, in Huntington Beach, I had probably 60 kids in the Huntington Beach surf, surf team and surf class, all in my youth group because I used surfing as a tool. My truck on the weekends after school was always full of kids, and I used it as a magnet to bring them in and to give them Jesus. And then along the way, I found that even now sometimes I go out in the water with guys and on my way to the beach and in the water and on the way home, it's turned out to be ministry because I'm like counseling people and speaking life and encouraging different people. And in a personal benefit is part of my Sabbath time when I'm like, don't think about business and work and all of this. Just spend time with God doing what you love. Surfing has been just an important part of my Sabbath time. So I just think God is saying whatever you have a heart for that's good. When you turn it over to him and his purposes, it becomes magnified and multiplied and he can use it to bring you more fulfillment than you ever thought. So that, that means hopefully encourage some of you guys, your hobbies, the things you just like to do, the things you like to get behind, understand what they are, use them for God, he's gonna do big things in your life. Is that good? Here's a side note to that. Don't let that heart and that passion die. If you've got something that you've been holding on to in your heart for a while, maybe it's a dream job or, or just some hobby or some vacation or something you have in mind, and you got kind of like distracted. Maybe you were going to start your own business and you had this whole plan and God was behind it and he confirmed it in his word and all this stuff, and then you had kids. And you're like, man, my life is busy right now. I just, I got to provide for them. I got to do this. This is a season in life. Don't give up on that original heart or that passion or that dream that God gave you. I believe that sometimes it's just seasons. And what we think is like a season that detracts us from finding that dream or that goal or that heart, sometimes God is going, no, that's a necessary season that's actually building something into you to equip you for that dream being accomplished in your life. It's not a detractor from it. I need you to balance out your family life and to understand priorities and relationships. So now when you go after that dream job or career, you've got a better handle on prioritizing your time. Does that make sense, guys? Don't let the dream die. And here's the other thing I know about the, the dream and the passion. Sometimes God is going to redirect and remold you. And, and here's the thing is the passion might not die. You just come at it from a different approach that maybe is even better. I know lots of people 
that are into sports when they're young. And I've, I've talked to a lot of guys that are like star players in high school and college, and they're going into the big leagues, and, and everything is just like sports, sports, sports. I love football, 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 football. And then what happens is an injury. You blow out your knee, you blow out your hip, something that just you're not allowed to play anymore. And I don't believe that that's any reason to give up the love of the game because what I've seen is God can use it, remold it, remold the same love for the same game, reshape it, and those star players become amazing coaches. No less love for the game, but now they're taking what they have and they're giving it to other people and they're raising up love in all of these and you're touching more lives than just you being the star player. The love, the dream, the heart never went away. God just repurposed it, remolded it, redirected it. Now you're that much more um, just sufficient in blessing him and bringing glory to him. Is that good? So just, just a side note, don't let that dream die. Whatever's in your heart right now. Now here's the next one is your abilities. I got to get through these. Sorry, guys, I'm going long, but I love when we find out about ourselves. Your abilities, what are you naturally good at? Or what do you, you learn to be good at? Your gifts, your talents, your skill, your knowledge. There's this really cool part of the book of Exodus. That Exodus is about Moses leading God's people out of Egypt into the promised land. And there's a part where God's telling Moses, I want you to build me a temple. It's not really a temple because you guys are moving around all the time. We're going to call it a tabernacle. It's a mobile temple. It's a tent, basically. And, and God tells Moses, I want you to make uh, this tabernacle so that you guys can worship me there, so that the priests can do all the priestly duties. So I want you to build the Ark of the Covenant as a reminder of my promises and my power. I want you to build these lampstands, this furniture, all of this stuff that goes along with the tabernacle. And now here's the cool thing. In Exodus, the chapters are 31 and then 36 through 39. When God is telling Moses to build all of this stuff for him, he calls out a couple people by name in scripture. I think this is cool. He calls out this guy Bezalel, and he calls out as an assistant Oholiab. And for all of these chapters, by name, God is specifically saying, and Bezalel built this, and Oholiab did this. And the whole deal is, these guys are master craftsmen. The abilities that they're good at, God goes, I want these guys to use what they have because they're really good at it. And I want them to build the Ark of the Covenant. I want them to be leather workers building the tent. I want them to be uh, work with gems and metals and, and clothing for the priests to wear. All of this stuff. They were masters of their craft, what they, what they could do. Now, this is what I see in this is that time and time again, God is specifically calling out their names, giving them credit in the greatest selling book of all time. Right up there next to the names of Moses and Levi, here's Bezalel and Oholiab. And this is what I think God is saying is that whatever you do, whatever you're good at, use it to the best of your ability and you get equal billing that the builders, the construction guys, the craftsmen get equal billing with, with the priests in the Bible. God's just saying basically this. He said it in Colossians 3.23, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. See, God will bless your abilities. You might even say, but I don't really even like doing this, but I'm really good at, at being an accountant. Well, God's saying, whatever your abilities are, whatever you're good at, you use them for me. I'm going to bless them. I think it's really important. God's saying, I made you on purpose that way, so lean into whatever it is that, you, that you've, he's created you for. In other words, God is doing bigger things in you with what you're good at than you can imagine for yourself. Pastor Trevor, who's up here, he writes all these worship songs. He leads us in worship. He's a great worship leader. How many of you guys know there's a difference between a musician and a worship leader? Pastor Trevor is a worship leader. He's a worship pastor. He brings us into God's presence. And he's gifted. He's skilled. He's got abilities at it. But I just learned this about him this past week is when he was growing up, he had no love for music, no interest in playing a musical instrument. Naturally, he's just like, no, I'm, I'm just not even good at that. Started coming to church, started like picking up a guitar. People in junior high started teaching him how to play. And he found out, I'm actually kind of good at this. I've got abilities in this. And he decided this is where my life is going. If I'm good at this, I need to use this for God. And look at the blessing he's become to our church. But God says, worship leader, stay-at-home mom, full-time college student, wherever you're at and whatever your abilities are, lean into those because God can do incredible things with that. Is that good? I hope that encourages some of you guys this morning. And here's, here's the next one is personality. That God knows your personality and he made you on purpose. Some of you just laugh when I say that, but God knows what he's doing. Psalm 139, 14. The psalmist writes to God, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Anybody married to someone that's wonderfully complex? It's like a great way of saying it. Happy Mother's Day. You're wonderfully complex, right? 
Like people look at me and they're just like, well, hey, you're a beautiful mess. You know, it's like, like you know the, the, the mess of your own life. And yet the, the psalmist puts, puts it so great. You are wonderfully complex. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the darkness of the womb. You saw me, God, before I was born. Every day of my life recorded in your book. Every moment laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. You know what that saying is? God made you unique, complex, and on purpose. He knew what he was doing. He didn't make a mistake. So here's what I tell you this morning. Find the purpose for your personality because your personality is different than the people next to you. Isn't it so cool? We were talking about beauty last week. Is that God didn't just say, well, I'm going to make man and I'm going to make woman and we're going to make all the mans look the same. All the women's look the same. Now be fruitful and multiply. Have fun. And we just be like, oh, what? Like so boring, right? But instead, God said, all the billions of people on planet Earth, nobody is exactly the same. And he says, I didn't make any mistakes, by the way. So matter, no matter what you think about yourself, you're wonderfully complex, and God made you that way on purpose. All of your flaws, all of your shortcomings, all of whatever you think about yourself, God says, I made you on purpose. Find the purpose for your personality because there is a place for you in this world that you don't compare yourself with other people. You're not good or bad. You're just different. Thank you, God, for the variety. Thank you, God, for the differences you've made in our lives. You, you want us to have different personalities on purpose. How many of you guys would say this? When you were growing up as a kid, you're one of the class clowns, the jokester in the class. You're funny. You're humorous. Anybody in, in the house right now? Come on. You're the funny ones. Good. I see a few of you guys. How many of you guys were, are in, would say now your personality is you're kind of shy? Anybody? You don't even want to raise your hand because you're like, I'm too shy. <laughs> I'll agree in my head right? You're shy. How, how many of you guys are the Portuguese, the talkers, the talkative ones in here? Yeah, that's right. We need you guys, right? Keep the party going. How many of you guys are excellent, and you know it, you're excellent listeners. You're just, that, that's what you're, you're created for is people go through stuff, they can always come to you, and they thank you. They tell you, thanks for being such a good listener. Thanks for letting me cry on your shoulder. Thank you for that. You understand that there's a purpose for every personality type, how many of you guys are in here, you're kind of like me, you're really organized and structured, you have a, anybody like that? Like you have a place for everything in your house, in your garage, in your car, there's a place for everything. And then there's some of you guys on the opposite end of it, it's like, well, every place is for anything. <laughs> anybody, you're right there, right? I always say like, I'm a filer and, and my wife is a piler. Anybody, you're like, <laughs> it's just how you're made. And it's often the most creative ones that are the ones that are just like, you know, but there's a place for everything anywhere, you know, whatever. But God says there's a place for everybody, that no matter what personality type you are, he loves it. And you just, when you discover who you are and that it's an okay thing, even though you got some weaknesses, you can improve on them, but the strengths of the character or the personality that God's given you, lean into those, there's a place for you, your life starts to thrive. Like there, there's a place for the jokey guy. Ha, ha, ha. You know, there's a place for the quiet, shy, the really good listener. Is God created us just so individually, and it's a, it's a miracle. I was at a staff retreat this weekend. I took my staff out to LaEA, and we went to that Marriott out there next to PCC, Polynesian Cultural Center. We did all this leadership, team building, and stuff, and I, I kind of gave them all a vision for where I'd like to see the church going in the next year and in our long-term future. And I'm and I'm just spelling it all out, and I'm excited. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. God wants to do this in our lives. And afterwards, uh, Auntie Sherry Matsumoto, her and her husband Keith oversee like the time setters ministry, those at retirement age and everything. And she came to me. She goes, oh, Pastor Carl, that was so good. I would vote for you. I'm like, I'm not running for office. Like, no, but you're so good. I would vote for you. I love your vision. It's so good. I would vote. You have my vote. I'm like, Okay, thank you. You know, it's just super funny, super cute. But what she's saying is, hey, you're a good visionary. And so I understand that if that's me, then I got to use that. If that's my personality, I got to use that. Use what you're good at. God doesn't make mistakes. And the last one is this, experiences. This is, the, this is a tough one. Because if we're honest with ourselves, we don't like to always look back at all the experiences that we've had. We look at the good ones, but we don't want to revisit some of the bad ones. There's some stuff that is dark valleys in our lives. There's some, some touchy spots that we're a little bit sensitive to. If you're anything like me, whether physically, emotionally, spiritually, you carry some scars. You've got some scars on your body 
for things that have happened. You got some scars on your heart and in your mind for things that you've walked through. Now, here's the reality is that, that God never wastes a hurt. God never wastes an experience that you've been through. Look at 2 Corinthians 1.4. It says, he comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. Here's the awesome thing about scars, the whole thing about scars. I've got scars on my body. I can find all over the place, surfboards hitting me and you know, all this kind of stuff, skateboarding and whatever. The reality is every single scar tells a story. And the beauty of a scar is that it, for the most part, they don't go away. You know, people get them laser removed and all of that kind of stuff. But the reality about scars that's so cool is this. There used to be an open wound or an injury that hurt really bad at the time. But now it's healed. And now you have proof that you're not in that place anymore. And you've overcome it and there's healing and you've moved on. And the cool thing about scars on your body is that now when you have scars that are healed, is that you can go around looking for the people with the wounds and you can tell them, hey, there's hope in Jesus. There's hope that you can get through. And what is a wound in your life right now? will heal up someday and you can, you can walk around a healed individual. See, every experience that you've been through, good or bad, God says, if you'll embrace those because that's who you are and you'd use that to comfort other people, man, your life is gonna find new fulfillment. There's people that run our Celebrate Recovery ministry that's about addictive behavior and, and drug addictions and just all kinds of different hurts and hangups and habits. And the people that run it, the greatest thing about them is that there are people that are scarred, walking around with scars, talking to people with open wounds and saying, God can give you hope. You can get th through this thing. See, they didn't, they didn't walk around going, man, I've been through that life and it's terrible and I never want to go back and just leave me alone. They said, I came through something and it was ugly and it was hard, but I'm going to share hope with other people and I'm going to open up to other people. There's people in our, in our grief counseling, our grief share. We, we have a little ministry called Healing Journey. And it's for people who have lost loved ones and you're just walking out the, the loss process, the missing and the grief and all of that. But the two families that are running it have both lost teenagers that died early, went way too early. And they walk through that process and they got scars, but they're not open wounds and they're not able to give back. So I wanna just encourage you with this. I know there's people in this church that have been through divorce. Some of you guys have been through abuse. Some of you have been through poverty and just, just hurtful stuff. Well, you need to know this about yourself, that God actually thinks it's something that he can use for good. Now, he didn't specifically put it in your life. He's not trying to hurt you. But because we live in a fallen world, we walk through some pretty terrible situations and terrible people. But God says, I can bring, remember this from last week, beauty from ashes. And that you understand that every experience, that's part of who you are. Man, your life can thrive. So here's what I want you guys to do. Here's a little homework for this week. Number one is this. Start asking God to show you who you are. Spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, your experience. Start asking, God, show me, because I want to get better. I don't want to make dumb choices. If I figure out who I am, I can make better choices in life. Start asking him. Here's the second thing is, I've got some tools and resources for you. Remember I talked to you about like the surveys I did? Those are silly ones in the beginning. But if you go to our website, and we can put that page up, if you go to myanchor.church, and you find this on the front banner, and you click on this, shape, We've got four surveys for you. They're not tests. Because when you think tests, you think you can fail. You can't fail at these things. It's just who you are. We've got uh, two different types of personality tests. These are really good ones. We've got a spiritual gifts survey so that you can figure out what your spiritual gifts are. And we've got to find your passion. What's your heart? What do you believe in? Find that stuff out. It's going to be fun. You can go on your phone right now and click and find it. But it's going to just kind of help you figure out who God's created you to be. Because when you discover who you really are and you're designed to be, life gets good. You start thriving and you know. Like Carl Moore, I know my strengths, my weaknesses, what I'm working on, but it narrows down all the choices that I have in life because I know who I am and what God's called me to be and it's, it's easier, it's better in life. I'm gonna tell you a story. I just wanna end with this story because it's living proof of someone that didn't know who they were. They found God, they began to find out who they were and now they're thriving in life. There's a, a girl that was in our youth group 10, 15 years ago um, in this church. Her name is Tiff. Her name is Tiff Brooks now. It used to be Tiff Hill. And she was uh, really active in our youth group and really, really tight with my wife. My wife would disciple this, this small group of young teens and really just pour into their lives and love them. And um, there's a story of Tiff. And, and I want to show you a picture of Tiff from back in the day. This is um, 
This is Tiff right here on the stairs. And for those of you guys that recognize this little beauty right here, this is Pastor Trevor's wife. This is actually Rob McWilliams' daughter, our pastors. And this is Sarah Fergie back when she was just a little, little girl. But she was good friends with Tiff right here. And uh, Tiff had, you know, kind of dealing with teenage issues and a lot of rough stuff in her life. Let me show you one more picture because this is, put it in context, this is her when she was a teenager. That's my son who's 16-year-old sophomore at Kamehameha right now. So this is back in the day when Isaac was just like a little, little puppy. But now he's a big boy. But this is Tiff. And then, let me tell you a little bit about Tiff. This is just what I see in her life. I wanted to share with you. This is what she wrote to my wife and I. She said, my identity from early on back in those years was terrible. She said, I didn't even know who I was. I struggled with accepting love. I didn't believe that I was even able to be loved. She said she had so many rejection issues. Maybe this is touching your heart somewhere. Some of you guys can relate. But she said, that manifested in a lot of self-hatred. In fact, I developed an eating disorder, anorexia. So in her teenage years, like a lot of young teens just looking for identity, she developed anorexia. She said, I was in so much emotional pain, and I really needed to know that Jesus was real. I needed to feel him. And she says this, as she began to seek and as, as my wife began to love on her and disciple her, she said, I experienced his love in such a crazy way. God showed up and literally wrapped his love around me in such a tangible way. He didn't hold back with me. He came full force after me with his love. It didn't happen overnight, but slowly God began to heal my heart as I rediscovered who I was in him. That's the point of today's sermon, finding out who you are in him. Now miraculously, supernaturally, one prayer, one day, delivered, set free from anorexia, eating disorder. Just like that, because God is good. She got so fired up, kept seeking God, finding out who she was created to be. She always wanted to be a missionary, and she became a missionary with Youth with a Mission, with YWAM. She went to Africa, ministering to people over there. She met and married her, the dream, the love of her life, Davidson Brooks, um, just godly man. Uh, they continued to do ministry all these years. She ended up having four kids, and we have a picture of what she looks like today. This is a recent one of Tiff and her beautiful kids and family. She had four kids, and then just recently, a couple months ago, she had another. She has five kids now, and, and then they found out last year, I forget what month it was, that their six-year-old, Selah, little girl, was diagnosed with leukemia, and then they walked into that season, and they're walking out that battle right now, and there's times when they fly over here for treatment and the whole family shaved their heads all together. This is their hair kind of growing out because of their little one, Selah, and she's in this battle right now. But let me tell you this, from a teenage girl that didn't know her identity, that struggled with eating disorders and hating herself and feeling rejected, she's become a super mom. She's momming hard, guys. She is momming it. And she has become an amazing wife to her husband she is just a warrior. She still to this day constantly is ministering to other girls, struggling with identity, loving on them, telling her story every single time, bringing hope into people's lives while they're battling with this thing called leukemia in their daughter's life. And I just wanted to say that I believe what I see on social media is a young woman, a godly woman that is thriving and living up to the absolute best personal potential and best version of herself that she can be. Because she knows my spiritual gifts, my heart, my abilities, my personality, my experiences, it's all for a reason. And I'm going to embrace it, and I'm going to own it, and I'm going to improve on the weak areas, and I'm going to work, lean into the strong areas, and I'm going to thrive in this life. She's not just a survivor, she is a thriver. And that hope is available for you guys as well. Would you take the time this week, start seeking out, God, who am I? Who did you make me out to be? Take those surveys, figure that stuff out. When you get there, you're going to live a life that is just full of potential and just self-gratification, fulfillment, knowing, God, I'm doing all that I possibly can for you. What a feeling that is. Can we bow our heads and pray? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what we've learned this morning, that, that Lord, you have a plan for our lives, and it involves every part of our lives, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Lord, we just want to live to our fullest potential. We want to know that we're, we're walking out the calling on our lives and everything that you've designed us to be, Lord, that we can, we can have victory in that. Lord, I, I pray that this week people would begin to discover themselves in deeper ways, that they would go places that they never wanted to go before as they look deep into themselves. And, and Lord, you would show them that you, you've been there every step of the way and that you can redeem whatever may hurt. The ashes can be redeemed for beauty because of who you are, God, in our lives. I pray right now for anybody in the room right now that this is a good word for you, but you, 
you don't know if you are a Christian. To put it plain and simple, you've come to church before, maybe read the Bible before, maybe never have, but you know you're not where you need to be with God. And that you know that, it, that there's something tugging on your heart saying, if I would just connect with him, I think God can do something beautiful with my life as well. I want to tell you today that that is absolutely true. God wants to do something cool with your life. He wants to bless you. He wants to take you places you've never been before. He wants to give you eternity in heaven with him face to face. But it starts with a simple decision to follow him, to say yes, to allow him to be the Lord of your life. And I want to do something this morning with every eye closed and head bowed. As we're praying, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus, to make a decision to follow Christ. It's not just a one-time prayer. It's the initial introduction to this God that loves you, and you begin to walk out the relationship all the days of your life. And if that's something that you're interested in right now, like you want to know that God's got you, and they got relationship with him, and that he forgives you, he's not here to condemn you or judge you or make you feel dumb for all the dumb things you've done in your life. He's here to forgive you, to make you better to bless you, to help you, to fix you. And if you're ready to make that decision right now, it starts with a simple prayer. And I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. It's gonna be easy. I'm not gonna make everybody pray out loud in here. I'm gonna pray the words out loud and I'm gonna have you agree with me the words I'm saying. You make them your words to God in your heart right now. After service, you can go in, like the Bible says, confess with your mouth. Tell people, hey, I prayed that prayer. I'm a Christian now. And you would boldly let people know that in your world. But right now, let's take care of the heart issue. And if you're someone that wants to pray that prayer with me to walk out of here knowing you're a child of God, he's doing work in your life and that you're forgiven, you are a Christian, if that's you, I'm gonna ask one thing. Everybody's eyes are closed, heads are bowed. I'm gonna ask you simply to raise your hand and say, Pastor Carl, I wanna pray that prayer with you right now. So if you would just do that, I just wanna acknowledge you and just I wanna see and confirm. Good, I see some hands going up. I see you, ma'am, right here. I see you, sir, as I'm looking around. Any other hands? I see a hand over there. Praise God. Another hand over here. Keep them up. Would you just wave at me so I see you? I just acknowledge you. Good. I see you right there looking around. Anybody else? This is big stuff. This is the best decision you'll ever make. I guarantee that with my life. Praise God for those hands. All of you that raise your hands, go ahead and put them down. Just pray this with me in your heart to God. Would I pray out loud? God, I'm here today and I'm unashamed to say it. I need you. I want you. I needed some changes to make, to make place in my life, to take place in my life. Lord, I trust you that you created me, that you love me. You're not out to get me. You're not here to make my life hard or difficult or religious, but you just want to give me a relationship with you. Show me how to live my life better. So God, I'm saying right now, I'm in. I'm all in. Show me how to live better. Show me how to have a, a blessed life of fulfillment. Lord, I know it's not going to be easy, but from here on out, you're with me and you got my back. So God, I, I believe that and I trust it. I believe that your son Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead to prove that he killed all the sin and shame and guilt in my life to put it to rest and that he overcame it by rising from the dead and that Lord one day I will rise with you and live forever as well so Lord I receive the power of your Holy Spirit to make changes in my life Lord I, I promise to get into my word and to go to church and to get baptized Lord everything that you have for me the answer from the bottom of my heart right now is yes yes I will follow you thank you for being my God from this day forward into eternity in Jesus name the church said Amen. Amen. Can we praise God for those people that made that decision?